Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I'm your host, Bob. That's me. I'm Bob. I cooked something this week. I ate it. It was good, and I'm going to tell you about it. Okay? All right. This week, I'm making a dessert that I've mentioned it before with other dishes, that certain foods, certain preparations seem to be anchored specifically to a point in time. And this week... This week's recipe is right in that category. However, in my estimation, or it, the way that I've come to experience this particular dish in pop culture, not just in person, like consuming it, but is in a, a reference to an earlier time. Like I wasn't alive during the time when I presume that this kind of had its heyday, or if I was, I was a very small child. But the, in the media that I've seen this uh, pop up in, it seems like it's connected to a particular time and place. And this week we're making a chocolate mousse, which to me is the, uh, the fancy dessert of the late 70s, early 80s. Now, why do I say that? Number one, and when you look at the uh, Imager album for this, I got two GIFs in there, or GIFs, if we want to go with the hard G, I don't know. But I have two of those in there. One is from the scene from the Wonder Years, season four, episode five, and I think it's called, like, um, it's a Mad, Mad Madeline world or something like that. I don't know. Any, the, I, I didn't watch the episode. I just remembered it and, and went back and found the, the clip. But in this one, Winnie gives Kevin an ID bracelet, which I'm not really sure what the deal is with that as far as a, uh, as a piece of jewelry. Uh, maybe that's an anachronistic thing in and of itself. But Winnie gives uh, Kevin an ID bracelet because, you know, they're, they're a couple. And Kevin has a French class with this blonde chick, Madeline or Madeline. And uh, I think, you know, they're like you know, 13 years old or whatever, but they set it up as in like this chick, she's hot compared to Winnie, you know, <laughs> no shade on Winnie, but still. So for this French class, the two of them are making chocolate mousse and it turns into this whole like weird, lots of sexual tension around, you know, making this dessert into the point where Kevin's like, ah, wait a minute, this, I'm uncomfortable here. And he takes off, uh, it loses his ID bracelet and has to, you know, there's big tension about resolving that. But, you know, in general, stayed true to Winnie. You know, he was a good dude. The other example in pop culture is in, I believe it was 1992, maybe, Gremlins 2, A New Batch. So our protagonist, Billy, works at this futuristic high-rise, kind of a vertically inter integrated company. And a woman that he works with, Angela, uh, asks him to go out to for a business dinner. But really, she's going to hit on him and try to, you know, hook up with him or whatever. And he's super uncomfortable because he's got his girlfriend, Kate, Phoebe Cates, 
right? Anyway, while they're at dinner, dessert comes out and it is chocolate mousse, but it is literally a solid cast bust of a mousse. So it's a mousse's head in solid chocolate. And the waiter is dressed like a Canadian mounted police officer, a Mountie. And he says something like, uh, uh, hello, sir. We have a, a, a delicacy from up north, the chocolate mousse. May I cut you an antler? Now, why do both of these pin chocolate mousse into like that late 70s, early 80s time period. Well, for wonder, the Wonder Years specifically, that is a, a television program that ran from like 1986 until the early 90s, whatever. And the whole point of that was like drawing on this nostalgia for the 1970s, right? And then the Vietnam War was a constant backdrop throughout the series, but it was just like the this earlier innocent time of, you know, coming of age and being a, you know, preteen to a young teenager during this period or whatever. It's the wonder years, you know? And even in Gremlins 2, which was not an anachronistic film. It wasn't like a, a period noir type of piece. The whole gist of this corporation that Billy worked for in this skyscraper that is his workplace or whatever is that it's this it's this futuristic technical utopia that didn't exist, certainly in 1992, but it seemed like it was built upon the the really optimistic view of the future coming out of the nuclear age and going into the computer age, which to me, you know, with the the personal computer, the late seventies, you know, the Apple II, um, you know, the the founding of Microsoft and all this kind of stuff, the the Commodore sixty four, like that was um, there was a there was a view of the future from that period that. If you took it to a, its logical conclusion from like, let's say 1974 through to when the present day was for the, for this gremlin sequel, uh, you know, the, the, the promise of that future was there, even though it turned into a, a dystopian hellscape with all these quickly multiplying creatures with various personalities and abilities and whatever, but eh. Whatever, that's a little bit of a stretch. And the point of the scene was a, a play on the name Chocolate Moose, you know, with the animal and the antlers and everything. But regardless, oh, you know what? And a third thing, when I was a kid, a uh, local restaurant, Angelo's, um, had a Chocolate Moose dessert in the uh, early 90s. And my dad worked at that restaurant. And whenever we would have dinner there, I'd have Chocolate Moose as the dessert. And uh, it has not been uh, featured on the menu for a long time that I can recall. Of course, I can go and, and check the menu today. And who knows, maybe it's there. But I know they have a whole gelato bar and all this stuff now. So everything really says that this is a, a dish that really kind of had become a cliche by the late 80s. But prior to it being cliche status, uh, it probably was just a a staple of, you know, worldly cuisine in Midwestern America or whatever. So we're going to make a chocolate mousse. Well, actually, we're going to make a chocolate mousse and a, a spoiler alert, peanut butter mousse. And we're going to combine them into a cup at the end. But, you know, the main focus is on the technique here because this is definitely uh, the technique is like 60% of the recipe. We got some very 
simple ingredients, but then we have to do some processing to get the right flavor and texture and volume and all that kind of stuff, okay? Let's start from the top. Check out the show notes. We have an imager album, step-by-step uh, -step photographs and captions showing what you should be doing at what time, what it should look like, all that kind of stuff. We'll also have the straightforward recipe, uh, you know, the actual ingredients, the measurements. I mean, I'll talk about them here, but you don't want to be mixing up a bunch of heavy cream while you're listening to me talk, right? So we'll get through that. Uh, usually, let's see, um, specialized equipment. Maybe I'll, I'll find a link to my KitchenAid hand mixer. Definitely, um, you know, I considered using the stand mixer for this, but um, I have a really big one and it doesn't work that great if you're using smaller quantities of things. And considering I'm making a bunch of whipped cream in one cup increments, it wouldn't work great for that. So I used a hand mixer. I'll link to that. Specialized ingredients. Not really any. I mean, there's one in here that's kind of, um, you know, not something you use every day, but it's not hard to find. I mean, any grocery store is going to have it. It's cream of tartare, and we'll talk about that briefly. But let's get into the recipe here for the chocolate mousse. We're going to be using three tablespoons unsalted butter. We're going to cut those into cubes, okay, like little half-inch cubes. Six ounces of this, yeah, six ounces of chocolate. My preference, go darker on this, but don't go like 95% cocoa, you know. Um, I think I used a 70%, technically a dark chocolate, but more in the bittersweet realm. Uh, milk chocolate, I think it's going to be too cloyingly sweet. You want, to, you want a little bit of a sophisticated palate on this, you know. So some dark chocolate, 70, 72% works great. Three large eggs. We're going to separate these and use them in two different aspects of this recipe, okay? Let's see, a half a teaspoon of that cream of tartare. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Thinking back, the only time I can even recall using this is when you want to whip egg whites into a meringue. Like the cream of tartare aids in in creating the structure of the meringue as you as you whip it to stiff peaks. Cream of tartare itself is produced. It's like a byproduct of the winemaking process. When you have red wine aging in a cask, the tartaric acid can form these crystals along the the. So I would call it the water line, but it's not water, it's wine around the wine line. And that can be uh, collected and uh, sold off, you know, as a, as a side stream product as cream of tartare. And like I said, the only thing that I have ever used it for is for making meringues. All right, we're going to use one quarter cup of sugar one cup of heavy whipping cream, a half a teaspoon of vanilla ex ugh, vanilla extract, two tablespoons of espresso, like brewed espresso, not just, you know, dry dust, <laughs> and two teaspoons of brandy. Now for this, you could use dark rum, you know, anything from like a Smith and Cross to Captain Morgan's, whatever. Um, you could use bourbon, although I use bourbon in another part of this recipe later, so I didn't want to double up on that. Use brandy, uh, brandy, cognac. You could use Amaro, maybe. Who knows? 
all kinds of different options there, but it's like a, a brown, dark, rich, sort of semi-sweet liqueur uh, would be fantastic, okay? seems like a lot of chocolate mousse recipes when you google it it they're erring on the side of like easy chocolate mousse super simple recipe five ingredients yada 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 to me the little backdrop of alcohol flavor is sort of paramount to the to the dish itself i remember whenever i would get the chocolate mousse at the local restaurant here as a child um not being able to finish it because it was so overpoweringly alcoholic at the end and I was like seven years old. So, you know, a little a little backdrop of brandy or bourbon or scotch or whatever they put in it was enough that I was like, oh, this doesn't taste like chocolate anymore. You know, it didn't make you intoxicated or anything, but it was just like, I can't eat any more heavy whipped cream with chocolate and whatever else is in here. Um, so I'm not... I'm not going on the side of like, oh, this is super simple. Five ingredients, throw it in, you know, throw it in the washing machine and it'll, it's ready while you're at work. You know, I'm not doing that kind of thing here. But basically using these ingredients, we have to make three component ingredients. And you can, I don't want to say you can do this in any order because I haven't gone through and, you know, as an algorithm of saying, well, what if you do this first and this second and this third, yada, yada, yada. But I'll tell you the order that I went in. First up, let's make the whipped cream. So in a medium mixing bowl, I prefer stainless steel with this because you can cool it down if you need to. You can throw it in the fridge for a couple minutes. Pour in your one cup of heavy whipping cream and like three quarters of the sugar. So you have like a quarter cup of sugar. Reserve a tablespoon out of that. You're going to need that for the meringue that we're going to make later. But for the whipped cream, you can add in the quarter cup of sugar. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and put in your half a teaspoon of vanilla, okay? Because you can bind this up either in the meringue or in the chocolate or in the whipped cream it doesn't matter but we can split it out have you know, have a little bit of it in the in the whipped cream a little bit in the chocolate a little bit of I'm, I'm talking about the liquid aspects the the espresso the vanilla the brandy um, those are things that you have to account for whenever you're uh, whipping something up into a foam or an emulsion or whatever so we'll add the 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 vanilla to the heavy cream in the sugar, and then we're gonna beat that on medium to high, depending on you know how high the the bowl the walls of your bowl are. You don't want to splash cream all over the place, but you'll beat this for I don't know between three and five minutes. I didn't really keep track of it, but you're gonna do it until it turns into whipped cream. Don't go too far. You know, once it becomes whipped cream, the next stop is gonna be like almost buttercream and then legitimately butter. And if it gets to the point where the buttermilk breaks out of the emulsion and you have a wad of butter and a big puddle of buttermilk, you've gone way too far, you gotta start over again, all right? So we're gonna whip that into whipped cream and then cover it with saran wrap, put that bowl in the fridge, okay? Clean the beaters on your mixer and then we are going to make meringue essentially. Take your three eggs, separate them into egg uh, yolks and whites in two separate bowls and take your egg whites, 
pour them into a mixing bowl, add the remaining like one, one and a half teaspoons, tablespoons of sugar. Uh, I'm sorry, before you add the sugar, I don't want to mess this up. So you put your, your egg whites in a bowl, start with the beaters and run it for a minute what will happen is the the egg whites, the albumin, will they'll get foamy and it'll thin out. Like the uh, the 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 viscous texture of the egg whites will thin out into a pretty pretty consistently even liquid, and they'll foam up a little bit. Okay, and then to that foamy egg white, add your sugar, add your cream of tartare, and start to beat that with the beaters it's going to take a little longer than it did to make the whipped cream but you're going to beat this until you get to stiff peaks what does that mean okay so it's going to get super foamy and uh take on like the the consistency first of just of foam like it's it is indistinguishable from foam you wouldn't consider it meringue you wouldn't call it a a a material other than foam because it doesn't look like anything else. The next step beyond that will be a meringue with with loose peaks, with weak peaks, with soft peaks. At this point, it's starting to look like shaving cream, like it's opaque. It doesn't just look like foamy egg white. It actually has like a plastic sort of nature to it. And uh, then you keep going and go, go for another two or three minutes. Eventually, you get to a point where it's a it's a really stiff emulsion, a foam. And when you turn the beaters off and pull them out of the egg whites, the peaks that form will remain standing either perfectly upright, ideally, or they'll flop over a little bit, but they'll remain sort of like um, like the little curly Q top to a soft serve ice cream cone. <laughs> Again, check out the Imager album in the show notes. You'll see what I'm talking about with this, okay? The point is, you've created meringue at this point, okay? Saran wrap over the top of that bowl, put it in the fridge. Technically, if you read a lot of these recipes online, they'll have you doing a lot of this stuff concurrently, but I find that it's easy to focus on making sure each component is done correctly and done you know, properly if you do them one at a time, especially when you're dealing with different temperature ranges. You know, with the with the whipped cream and the meringues, it's generally a cold process. Like you want to keep them cold. You don't want to like you don't want to be, you know, beating your your heavy whippy whipping cream in a warm in a warm bowl because it's gonna melt and, and get all liquidy. It's not gonna hold together very well. So if you're doing this cold process versus like the 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 slow melting of the chocolate, it's a lot easier to hold a a temperature range or a temperature target in your mind while uh, just doing one thing at a time. Otherwise, if, you, if you're if you making whipped cream, you're making meringues, you're melting chocolate, maybe you're focusing on the coldness of two of those, and then you let the uh, double boiler get too hot and your chocolate breaks out into just like a bunch of solids and oils and whatever. Don't want to do that. So do things one at a time. Make it easy for yourself. Even, even so, this isn't a super long... Uh, process. You can have all of this done within an hour easily. All right, so you have your meringue in the uh, fridge with your whipped cream. Now we have to melt the chocolate. We need to fortify the chocolate, you know, give it some extra oomph so that it kind of stays nice and foldable and, and semi-liquid even as it cools. So 
if you don't have a double boiler, and honestly, I don't know anybody else that has one of these. It just came in a set of all clad pots and pans. So that's the only reason I have it. It's a small saucepan with like a ceramic um, insert. You put your water in the pan, you heat it up, you put the insert in there, then you get this indirect heat that's kind of diffused and is very gentle. Um, you can forego all that by placing, you know, one mixing bowl inside of a, a pan of water. You know, you don't want the bowl to be in the con in contact with the water because you need to have a very gentle warming here. You're not cooking the chocolate, you're melting the chocolate. If you take chocolate and you hold it in your hand real tight, it will melt and it will melt sufficiently to the texture that you want it for this dish. So ideally you're going to be melting chocolate at approximately body temperature, you know, 98.6, a hundred degrees. That's what you're, you're kind of shooting for here. You put your, your insert into the pan of water so that it's suspended over the water. And then you heat that water up gently and slowly, like medium low to medium at most. Put your shards or chunks of chocolate into that bowl and just keep an eye on it. When it starts to melt and pool up at the bottom, you can stir it with a spatula to get it all mixed around and it'll become smooth and shiny and melted, but there will still be a bunch of little chunks um, suspended in there. So when you put your shards of chocolate into that bowl, you can then also add the unsalted butter that's been cubed. And probably if you, if you prep this stuff at the beginning, it's probably pretty soft at this point. You can add that in there. If you made your espresso early, like before you started doing anything else, chances are it's pretty cool. Um, it's not super hot. Uh, it only has to be, you know, as cool as the melting chocolate that you have going on there. So put two tablespoons of that into, into your chocolate in the double boiler. And last, you take two tablespoons of your brandy and add that. And then you want to just gently but consistently stir this with the, uh, with the spatula until you have a nice, uh, even, consistent, smooth, completely melted chocolate. It's almost like a chocolate ganache, I guess. Um, at that point, get that double boiler out of the pan of water and off the heat, okay? because once it's melted and the butter is incorporated through there, you can get that smooth texture pretty easily. Um, and you don't want this to be overly warm when you add your three egg yolks. Now, what I found worked pretty well was to, with a fork or a whisk, stir those egg yolks up by themselves before you add them to the chocolate. And then once you add them to the chocolate, just stir that with the spatula real consistently, like over and over and over again until it, all that egg yolk gets incorporated with the chocolate and the butter and the espresso and the brandy. And it's going to probably take on a slightly gritty texture at this point because those, I'm not saying cold as in like from the fridge egg yolks because you can let them warm up to room temperature when it once they're separated or whatever, but it is certainly cooler than the chocolate itself and adding that cold material to the chocolate will cause it to kind of solidify a little bit but because it's diluted with butter it's not going to reform into like a solid mass but the point is is that the texture is going to change and you're going to get a really nice fudgy sort of 
that's a funny word, a fudgy sort of texture on that chocolate. Now, at this point, everything's off the heat. You're done cooking. I mean, this isn't a very cooked uh, dish as it is. So get your component ingredients together, your whipped cream, your meringue, and your chocolate. And then and you need to fold these all together. Now, what I did was add the meringue to the whipped cream, fold those together. By folding, what we mean is use a spatula, and rather than stirring it, like trying to, you know, whip it together into a consistent, you know, texture, you're just folding it into each other. I don't know. How do you describe folding? Fold these together. Basically, you want this just mixed and no more because you don't want to break down the, the meringue. You don't want to further agitate the whipped cream or whatever. Now, at this point, you can start adding in your chocolate and folding it into the meringue and whipped cream mixture um, a little bit at a time, you know, like a, in thirds. Let's say the amount of chocolate that you have, put one third in, fold it all together, add another third, fold it together, add the final third, fold it together. Uh, you're basically going to, until you get a consistent color, the color will be brown. I mean, we're making chocolate. So once that happens, you cover that up, put that in the fridge, even though it's not quote unquote hot at this point, it will cool a lot more in the refrigerator and it will set up. So whenever at this point, it's going to be not liquidy, but much looser and much more mousseline and like a cloud-like texture, which is fantastic. It's very luxurious, but what we're looking for is something a little denser and a little bit more smooth and, uh, God, I hate the word, but unctuous. <laughs> and that's going to come from all these components kind of sitting together, uh, chilling down to like 40, sub 40 degrees, and it'll be nice and firm and, and wonderful. Uh, a lot airier and lighter than that of like pudding, but certainly no, no hard edges. You know, it's not going to have a shell on the top. It's, um, it's going to be, it'll be fantastic. All right. So at this point, you've made chocolate mousse. You could serve this in a bowl or a, a cup or whatever, however you want to do it. But I figured let's go one step further. Let's make a secondary contrasting mousse flavor. Okay. So for this one, I used uh, probably, actually probably about five tablespoons. Uh, let's say a half cup to a cup of peanut butter. Again, three large eggs separated, um, half teaspoon cream of tartare, quarter cup of sugar, one cup of heavy cream. Um, we didn't use any uh, vanilla extract. We didn't use any espresso. We did not use any brandy. In place of those, I did use two tablespoons of bourbon, okay? Because for some reason, there's this product out at the, uh, at the liquor store. It is peanut butter whiskey. I've never had it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of adulterated whiskeys, you know, like added sugar and flavor and stuff like that. Like whether it's American honey or peanut butter whiskey or fireball, none of that does anything for me. I get a headache just thinking about it. But the fact of the matter is, is people must enjoy the combination of peanut butter and bourbon, right? Or peanut butter and whiskey, whatever it is. 
Uh, so that's where we're kind of like influencing this accessory mousse with. So we're going to go through all the exact same steps, make the whipped cream, make the meringue, uh, do the peanut butter in the butter and the, in the bourbon in a double boiler, mix it up until it's smooth, fold it all together, yada, 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 and refrigerate. And then you have basically two batches of mousse. You have a chocolate mousse and you have a peanut butter mousse. But you're not done yet. You need to do one more thing. Save a little bit of that heavy cream or save a little portion of the whipped cream from one of those batches or whatever. Make yourself a little bit more whipped cream. A little bit of sugar, heavy cream, whip it together. And that's going to be... Uh, you know, the little dollop that'll do you on the top of your chocolate mousse. So for serving this, I have these little um, what ice cream sundae cups. I don't even know where I got them from. I think, I think they were my grandfather's. I'm not sure. But um, put the chocolate mousse in there in the bottom. Put a dollop of the peanut butter mousse kind of offset and a dollop of the whipped cream dust that with some cocoa powder and then garnish it with a couple of raspberries a sprig of mint mint is the dessert herb <laughs> right a sprig of mint a couple of raspberries it's fantastic it's smooth it's decadent it is just a wonderfully unapologetically sweet and chocolatey and peanut buttery cloud it is wonderful it is like the adult uh jello pudding cup um it's certainly certainly better than what a couple of uh eighth graders would make in a sitcom in the 80s it's definitely better than a solid chocolate deer head <laughs> from gremlins to a new batch and uh it is uh reminiscent at least of the fancy dessert that i used to have as a child at uh, a local italian restaurant <laughs> even though it's not really necessarily an italian dish i kind of peg it as a, a french preparation but that is it that is chocolate mousse uh, didn't expect to go this long on something relatively simple, but Hey, I had a lot to talk about. So, uh, check out those show notes, look at the imager album. Um, you know, I have a link there to a hand mixer if you don't have one of those and maybe I'll throw in a, a link to, uh, I don't know, a page of information about cream of tartare because it sounds interesting. Uh, aside from that, thanks for listening this week. Have a wonderful week, day, afternoon, whatever. Just enjoy yourselves, all right? Talk to you later.